This time Miss Dina is going to bring us special.
Great to see everyone here today. Before I read the scripture, I want to share a uh, a letter that I received this week, and uh, just kind of share with you that God, you know, works with people. And works with you. You may be an encouragement to someone and never really know that you're an encouragement to somebody. But hopefully this will encourage you to reach out to someone, offer an act of kindness, to get outside of your comfort zone and uh, speak a word of encouragement. Uh, to Brother Reese and members of Promised Land uh, Church uh, from Lane Wesson. Uh, dear Brother Reese and members of Promised Land Church, I'm writing this letter to say thank you for letting me your, attend your church as a guest last Sunday morning. In case you don't remember, I am the young boy that was invited by Mr. Johnny Hodge. Me and Mr. Johnny have been talking more lately and been spending more time together talking about our problems so he understood mine and I understood his so he invited me to church this last Sunday I would like to make a compliment to the church first of all I would like to tell the choir that they were really amazing and pulled my attention during the service the service was lovely as well brother Reese I enjoyed it the main thing that really touched me was as soon as I walked in I was being greeted like I was a member already. And what a lovely church family y'all have. I haven't been to church since August 11, 2014, the day that my dad died. And I had spoken to Johnny about how I wanted to go to church, but was afraid to go back because of my flashbacks. Johnny had told me that he went to this church and that you had helped him with some of his problems and that maybe... I would receive a message from you, and if I went, and so I did. And it was the first time I walked in a church since my dad died. I just wanted to say thank you for y'all's hospitality and for making me feel like I was at home. The whole time I was there, I felt the love as I'd been a member for years, and I felt the comfort as I'd been there and knew everybody before. I'd like to say that I received my message today from the good Lord. He told me I needed to change this morning, and he asked me to spread his word widely. I asked him how I was supposed to do this, for I'm only a kid. And his remark back was to make two Facebook groups, one as a confession group, what we're thankful for, and the other is for prayer request. He asked me to pray with all those who reply. And when he spoke to me this morning, it was like a rocket had went off in me, and a wonderful feeling was coming back, and I knew in an instant of what he had spoken. 
I was so excited to get started. I couldn't pay attention in class to do my work, and I wanted to start right there, but I knew I couldn't. I haven't felt that way in years, and it was like he delivered me to do his uh, works at that moment. Brother Reese, I had seen that all that he has plans for me, it was like he had everything he wanted me to do in life, and what he wanted me to be was uh, written in Scripture and transferred inside of me so I'd know what to do. And I saved the best for last. The other thing he ordered me to do was make a donation to your church. So in this envelope, you will find $20. And I'm donating to your church. Please take this offering from one person to the next. Feel free to use this on whatever means that are necessary. I feel like all of this is for, is for real, so I will continue on with what I think. The good Lord has planned for me to complete his mission, to spread his word. Thank you for your time. All I ask is that you read this to the church and that Johnny is present whenever you read it. And please tell my friends and family members to join the confession group and the prayer request group, uh, two groups on Facebook. Uh, thank you all once again for letting me be your guest. It was an honor to serve the Lord at Promised Land Church. With each and every one of you, may God bless you. With you all, and I send my prayers your way, sincerely, Lane Wesson. And uh, so, pretty neat. And if you may not remember, of course, you know, this young man, his dad was killed out at the mill not too long ago. And so, lift them up in prayer. You never know what kind of a difference in eternity just 30 seconds of your time may make to someone. And you never know. I don't know if an extra dollar got caught up when he put that in there, but there's $21 in the envelope. And so it's four fives and a one. So it might have been stuck in between. He didn't know, but there's $21 in the envelope. This is our theme. Jesus is the answer for your life. He can change your life. That no preacher, no pastor, and like no friend can. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. As we look at the hope of Christmas and, and last week Jesus could be our healer, this week Jesus is our offering. As you stand with me to read Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. What a powerful letter. Mm. I hope and pray that all of you would seek to be an encouragement to somebody, especially this time of the year. A very simple verse, Paul says that you need to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Father, I thank you for this time to be here this morning. And Father, I pray that you would help us all to be an encouragement to someone else. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And uh, again, church, thank you for allowing me the time to read that, that letter. And I pray that it is an encouragement uh, to you this morning. As I think about the word offering, 
And uh, what it is, and I have it in your bulletin, that an offering is a pleasing gift, is a sacrifice. This offering is also, uh, that we have, is something that is given freely. It's not coerced. Jesus gave himself, as we'll discover, willingly. And the offering that you give, the biggest gift, is not even all the money that you have in the bank. Jesus wants something more precious than that. And he wants your life. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. Now, we give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. That's just a a way of worship. And we give that as worshiping him. And we give that so that God's word could be spread. And it has been. There's so many lives. Promised land has touched all over the world because of your offerings. Uh, just quickly, Revelation 13, 8. I've got a, a lot of scripture, so I just want to hit these. And this is the only place in the Bible where it mentions explicitly that Jesus is a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Now, there's other scriptures that allude to this, but simply put, before God created one molecule, Jesus was already planned to be our sacrifice, which means that God knew ahead of time. Somebody would say this, uh, why would God create a world where he knew, why didn't he create a world where there would be no possibility for sin? And that there would be no devil. We've been discussing that on Wednesday nights. If you haven't, I'm going to have some written copies of our outlines printed off. Uh, I had some technical difficulties last week. But if you'd like a copy of those uh, outlines um, about spiritual darkness. But did you know God had to create a world with sin? And with, uh, actually the better way to put it, the possibility of sin. He did not create a world with sin. He created a world and he looked at everything and he said, this is good. And it was good, but it also had God built into the world a world where choices could be made. A world where choices could be made. And from one man's choice, Ephesians, excuse me, Romans 5.12, one man's choice, sin entered not mankind. It doesn't say that. It says this. Sin entered the world through one man's sin. I mean, there weren't any, I don't think, uh, any, there wasn't any, uh, mosquitoes and fire ants. There wasn't any ticks. There wasn't any, and the Bible does say it this way, there wasn't any thorns and any thistles. Did you know after man sinned, what did he do? He cursed the ground and the animal kingdom. All of the creation, the Bible says this, groaneth and travaileth. Because it's under sin. And Adam's sin affected you and me and the whole world. And so, that's why Jesus had to be our offering. By the way, you say, well, I'm going to get to heaven my way. The next part in there, there is no plan B. There's no plan B. There's no other way into heaven. There's no other way to get to God. There's only one door. There's only one water of life. There's only one stream and it's through Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take a look at that next scripture. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. This is again God's plan. 
God didn't plan for sin. He planned to take care of sin. He had to. And uh, he knew Adam would. If God created Adam where he could not choose, he wouldn't have created Adam in his image. Did you know the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve in his image? You say, well... There's some people and some denominations and, and churches that believe that God predestined some for heaven and predestined some for hell. But that doesn't make sense with the Bible. You're given a free choice. Yes, God's sovereign, which means he's in control. But he, he made you and he made me with the ability to choose or else God doesn't have the ability to choose. Because you are created in his image. First Peter chapter 1 in verse 18, it says this, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your... And it says, in, if you have a King James Bible, your vain conversation, which means your empty life. <laughs> in other words, there's, you, our lives are empty. Those things are empty. Received by tradition from your fathers. In other words, uh, they... if. Uh, if your family members try to buy their way to heaven, try to live a good life, accumulate great things, that's empty. It's vain. But you're redeemed, how? With the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Look at verse 20. God's plan. Who verily, truly, was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest or seen in these last times for you. In other words, Peter saw him. I not only saw him, I hugged him, I touched him, I, I, I cursed him, I said I don't know him, I disagreed with him, I argued with him, and I denied him publicly. I've seen him, I've dealt with the Lord, and he is the Savior. I messed up, and he loved me anyway. Isn't that great? Isn't that something all of us can say this morning? I messed up, and he loved me anyway. That's what the Apostle Peter said. I messed up, and he loved me anyway. Everybody in this room has messed up, and he loves us anyway. You know why? Because he's, he's that kind of Savior, and he's that kind of God. That's God's plan. Well, why do we need an offering? Uh, back up a little ways to John chapter 8 and verse 23. Why do we need a Savior? John eight twenty three says this, or why do we need an offering? He said, uh, Jesus basically says in verse 23, and he's uh, carrying on this conversation with these uh, religious people. And he says, you are from beneath, and I'm from above. You are of this world, which means that you're lost, you're just living here, and you don't even understand who's standing in front of you. I am not of this world. Verse 24, I said, therefore, I said, therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. Now that's pretty bold from a preacher, isn't it? He's looking at a group of people and he tells that group of people, you're going to die in your sins. Well, preacher, uh, you don't have to get all personal with me now. Well, he, Jesus, I mean, he's got real personal there. You're going to die in your sins. Why? For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die 
in your sins. That's, mm. well, I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to die in my sins. Well, I like this. Now, one of the more famous verses in the Bible is in Hebrews 9.27, which says everybody's going to die. Well, we don't like to talk about that, preacher, but look at verse 28. A lot of times we don't keep going. Hebrews 9.28 says this, We're all going to die. That's what the previous verse to that verse says. But this verse says what? So Christ was once, what's our word? Christ is our what? Our offering. Last week, uh, He's our healer. This week, He's our offering. Jesus is the only hope you and I have. He's your gift. Did you know? That's what the word, if you were to look it up in the original language, it's real simple. You just, you know, you can get an app and, and look up the basic meaning of any word in the Bible. And, um, and if you have a smartphone, then boom, it'll say gift, sacrifice, And what does sacrifice mean? Given freely. He's our offering. So He's offered what? He's once offered to bear the what? Your sins and my sins. And unto them that look for Him, He shall appear the second time without sin. When He was hanging on the cross, Jesus bore your sins and my sins, but when He comes back again, He won't have... I mean, He's conquered sin. He's conquered sin for me and you. So he, that's why we need an offering. And then, of course, uh, one of the neat, neatest verses concerning this is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Take a peek at it, peek at it real quick. And uh, you can pick at it, yeah, but we'll peek at it too. And it says here, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Whoa, wait a second. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Who's the first he? And I uh, don't mean to get an English class this morning. You know, what's the antecedent of a pronoun? And uh, But wh- who's, the, who's the he? Who made Jesus sin? God. God did. And he made him, who's him? Jesus. To be sin. He was nailed to a cross for you. He's our offering. He, I mean, when he came as a baby, and I love that picture that Brother Kenneth put up there. Of, you know, it had that scene and the manger scene. It was a cave scene, and that's probably where it was like. You know, and some of you have seen those actual pictures of those caves, and that's what they use as a as a stable to keep animals. They use caves, and they just didn't have barn building, and they can, but why? Why when there's a cave right there? And uh, imagine that, uh, son, go out and shovel out the cave <laughs> and uh, shovel out the barn, okay? And, uh, and so that's why we need an offering because of sin. I love these scriptures. It's, it means this, that He is our offering. He was our willing offering. Many of you are familiar with Isaiah 53. And you know... Uh, that Jesus was willing to be our sacrifice, Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and he, uh, he was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. No, don't kill me, don't kill me. I don't want to. No, He didn't do that. He was cut off of the land of the living. For the, that means He died. 
For the transgression of my people was he stricken. That means he, he died for our sins. The transgression is sin. He died for your transgression and my transgression. Look at verse 10. Still in Isaiah 53. This is, this is strange. Love that song. Beautiful song that Miss Dana sang. The choir did an awesome job this morning as they always do. And apparently, and I know it touched one person last week. Did an awesome job last week. It was such a strange way to save the world. Doesn't this seem strange? Y'all look at this verse. It pleased the Lord to what? How many of y'all, when y'all were growing up, did, I mean, just survey, quick survey, it's real easy. How did it, anybody in here, did their parents ever say this? This is going to hurt me a whole lot worse than it's going to hurt you. Okay, about 12. I don't know what the rest of your parents said. I'm going to enjoy doing this to you today. Maybe that's what your parents said, but I don't know. But mine said that, and Caleb raised his hand because I've said that. And at the time, for those of you who heard that statement, would you be honest with me? And did, did this thought occur in your brain? There's no way this is going to hurt you more than it has hurt me. Did that thought enter your head? Okay. It, it entered mine. I'm like, give me the belt. You know? I, it just that didn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. You see what I mean? I didn't, I mean, think of it as a seven-year-old kid when I'm getting my backside tore up and I deserved all of them from seven to seventeen. I don't remember when the last one I got was. It was probably around there. That's the time that I shouldn't have told my mom, mom a little to the left. And, uh, whoo, and she turned that belt around and you started using the other end. And, uh, you know, I shouldn't have said that, but she, it wasn't hurting and I thought I could pick at her. It wasn't a good time to pick at her about something like that. And, uh, and so, you know, and at the time that I'm getting the licks and I'm thinking they make that statement, it's going to hurt me a lot. And then I understood when you became a parent, you understand those things. You see, when you're young in the faith and young in the Lord or young as a person, you may not understand the big picture. And as I look at this verse, I may not understand it all. How can God, how can that be true? How can that be true? It pleased the Lord to bruise him. God, what are you saying? It pleased you to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul a what? An offering. Why? For sin. You know why? He says, I'm getting my people back. Because my son. And folks, let me go ahead and say this. God was so proud of his son. I don't understand all the... the the ins and outs of it, but I know this, that God was so proud. He says, I'm going to give him a name which is above every name. And I'm going to have every knee bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, my Son, is Lord. 
And so from Old Testament to New Testament, God was pleased with the offering of Jesus. And then the next part, He's willing. Uh, probably one of the most powerful passages in the Bible concerning Jesus being a willing offering is John 10. Now, I don't have time to, to go through all these Scriptures, but if you lock in to your Bible or the screen, either one, John 10, 11 says this, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd giveth His life for the sheep willingly. And in verse 12 says, He that's a hireling and not the shepherd, uh, man, when tough times hit, they'll run. You know, and basically, folks, whether you're a, a, a actual shepherd, you say, well, I'm just a hireling. Here comes a lamb, a lion, and a wolf. I'm getting out of here. These aren't my sheep. I heard that one time preached about a pastor. He said, if you really love your people, you'll stay through the tough times. You'll stay through the up times and down times. Because why? You're not a hireling. You're a real shepherd. And you'll stay there and pastor the sheep. The hireling, verse 13, says he flees and he's a hireling and he doesn't care for the sheep. Verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And then it says, and then I want to skip down to verse 17 because this is powerful. And this is probably the most powerful. He says this, he says, therefore does my father love me. He loves me. He's proud of me. Why? Because I lay down my life. In verse 18, I can just see Jesus standing while he's preaching here. In your Bible, it's got red letters, and it's showing here, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. And if I lay it down willingly, what? I have power to take it again. Man, that verse 18 is loaded. Because Jesus saying, I give my life for you. And it's not, nobody's going to take it from me. Yeah, you can say they killed him, but he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. He allowed himself to be pierced and beat and spit upon. He said, I, you're trying to arrest me here. I can tear off these handcuffs and call one angel. I call a thousand angels. It doesn't matter. You don't stand a chance. But I, I do this willingly. Now, for this last five or six minutes of this message, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because all of this that I've been talking about for about 20 minutes is kind of theology. It's kind of the study of what Jesus did and is. What, what, what happened? What did He do? Why did He come? All of that. Now is where the rubber meets the road because did you know He did all that? You can just go ahead and put your name in the book. He did this for you personally. Personally. He, you can put your name right there. He did it for you personally. Look at this. Did you know some people you know, want to discount this one and discount that one? Uh, that's some powerful Scripture here. Hebrews 2, 9. The Word of God says here, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, means put in a man, a body of a man, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death 
For some people? No. For everybody. Everybody. And then, of course, you ought to have these underlined or marked in your Bible. These are awesome uh, scriptures. Second Peter 3, 9. <clears throat> Many of you know about this one. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. In other words, yeah, people mess up, but the Lord doesn't. But He's long-suffering, not to usward, to everybody, not willing that any should perish, but that all, everybody should come to repentance. He's our personal, personal sacrifice. Back to Second uh, Corinthians and chapter 5 and verse 14. I, this is, whew, man, this is loaded. He says this, For the love of Christ constraineth or motivates us, because we thus judge, if one died for all, it means we're all guilty. We're all dead. All guilty. We all need a Savior. But verse 15 says, And that He died, notice this, for all that you should live, not henceforth live unto yourself, but unto Him which died for you. Go ahead and put that personal pronoun, you. Them means everybody. You, personal. Died for you, rose again. Well, this is Christmas, isn't it? So let's look at this Christmas Scripture in closing. This great Christmas scripture. The shepherds were out tending the sheep. As the scripture says, keeping watch over their flock by night. The greatest message, no greater promise than this. He looked at them and I'm telling you this morning for unto you is born this day a Savior. Whose Savior? Unto you. Now, doesn't, the Bible doesn't say unto them. The angel looked at they, those guys, redneck country boys, just, just regular blue-collar workers, regular everyday country people out in the hills of Judea. Got a 18-hour work day. They on call all the time. There's no vacation, no 401k. They're making a living. These regular people, these country boys. And the angel said, unto you, unto you is born a Savior. Unto you. And I'm telling you this morning, 2014 in promised land, unto you a Savior is given. As we prepare for a hymn invitation. Father, as we bow before you, I thank you for this opportunity we have this morning to say that and to know that you are our offering. That you are our Savior.
And I pray that if there is anybody in this room and they've never asked you to be their Savior, that they would this morning. They would give just just right where they're at. Realize that you are our Savior. You died and rose again because of our sin. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need an offering. Help us to realize that even before you were born, before you came, you were there and you were willing to be our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.